newsletter here, get your newsletter here. <laughs> uh, please, uh, if you want to make my day, how often do you have the opportunity to make someone's day? If you do this, you will make my day. I know you might be clicking that plus 10 second or plus 15 second thing in your podcast app. You might not even ever hear this. If you are hearing this, it's incredibly important and it would mean an incredible amount to me if you go to makingthebrand.co and if you're interested in getting this monthly newsletter, which is a super reasonable pace, it will not be spam in your inbox. It will always be thoughtful. It will always be something interesting that gets you to say, hmm, gets you to say, hmm, uh, go to makingthebrand.co, give your email address, then you're going to get an email, confirm that it's a real email address, and then you will occasionally, every month or so, get a newsletter about consumer stuff that's going on that's exciting and interesting. Love you. Happy Tuesday. Bye. With this idea of how do we create a one-off formulation for every single customer? Um, that, that, was the big, that was the big question. And, and it was, if we could solve this, we could become the greatest beauty company there ever was. Welcome everybody to the Making the Brand podcast. My name is Billy Draper. I work in early stage venture capital. And on this show, we're gonna be talking about brands. We'll talk to founders and leaders of growing consumer companies that are finding ways to stand out, differentiate, and delight their customers. On today's show, we talk to Zahir Dasa, co-founder and CEO of Function of Beauty. He teaches us about the power of customization in hair care. So today on the show, we have a very special guest, Zahir Dasa, uh, the founder and CEO of Function of Beauty. Zahir, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So to start out, what is Function of Beauty? Function of Beauty is the first personalized hair care company that sells personalized hair care formulations based on a customer's hair type, hair goals, preferences. So it's, you didn't say shampoo. <laughs> well, we just launched an additional product. So we used to only sell shampoo and conditioner. We ended up just uh, launching a leave-in treatment. We realized that there was more to hair care and shower routines than just shampoo and conditioner. And we wanted to start working towards a, a broader system so that we could really make sure that we were able to achieve people's hair goals. So, uh, so yeah, so now we're more than just shampoo. And how did you get into the hair care business? It was a very long and convoluted story. Uh, so my undergrad and master's and PhD were all at MIT, uh, originally focused on computer science and then getting into e-commerce and, uh, and value chains. And, and it was through that that I just my, my interest in beauty really peaked. Uh, and the more I ended up engaging with this industry, the more I realized how I don't know how backwards it was and, and how there wasn't really any real innovation in uh, the last hundred years or since the formation of the industry. And it was also weird that we called an industry, the beauty industry here. We had beauty companies um, when, uh, I don't know, beauty seemed to be something that belonged to individuals, not to a, a company or an industry. So there's just, there's just a few things that I, I just didn't really like about the industry. And you know, the more I ended up looking at it, the more I engaged in it, I ended up starting a random beauty company called the Argantry. Uh, and, and I read a bunch of customer reviews uh, when I'd asked a question, you know, what would it take to make this 
company or these products perfect? And everybody had a different response. And I realized that in itself was the core problem with the industry, that everybody wanted something that was very special, very unique to them, just because of the just the sheer variance that we all have from one another. And and uh, and I wanted to create a company that actually achieved that, that solved that, uh, a company that celebrated people's individuality and, and uniqueness as opposed to try to bucket people into various groupings. What is what is an argan tree? Yeah. So an argan tree is an actual tree uh, that makes uh, a fruit called argan. Uh, it's grown in southwest Morocco. It used to span all over North Africa. And then with the growth of the Sahara Desert, basically is now only grown in Morocco. Uh, and it's, uh, it's used argan oil, which you can get and derive from this fruit, is used in a ton of different beauty formulations now. So I just got into it when argan argan oil was taking off. And I was really curious as to how would this in ingredient end up being marketed and sold in, in the beauty industry? Uh, and, and how do we think about hero ingredients or, or new ingredients? And what are the impacts of value chains and products and, and all those various things? So that's how I got into beauty, just really interested in, uh, in, in argan oil. I came from actually a like social uh, poverty and, and alle poverty alleviation uh, development background, um, but quickly got engulfed in, uh, in argan oil and, and started this company called the Argan Tree uh, for my uh, PhD project. Or, so did, you, did you finish your PhD? I did finish my PhD, yes. Uh, so I'm uh, technically Dr. Das, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah. Where, um, what did you intend to do with the PhD? I honestly had no idea. I was coming out of undergrad from MIT and, you know, undergrad, especially in computer science at MIT is crazy. Like it's just this whirlwind of classes and it's so hard to really take a step back and realize, you know, what is it that you want to do? And, you know, I had an offer from a management consulting firm and, and some, so that was something I was considering uh, at McKinsey actually. And, uh, and then took a step back and realized there was just so much more I was interested in, so much more I wanted to do. I was really interested in value chains and e-commerce and the transformation of industries uh, and, and ended up deciding to stay at MIT to do a, a master's and PhD focused on that stuff. So in a very different department. So I was still looking at computer science and, and web, but looking at it more in, a, in the realm of how can we use e-commerce to revolutionize industries that in my opinion needed to be revolutionized just such a common path you know the hair yeah. care, the hair care industry is just filled with mit uh, cs majors <laughs> who went on to get phds dime a dozen there you go you know how, how did you how did you come up with the name function of beauty yeah it's a good question so you know, we wanted to come up with a name that really merged science and beauty and uh, and a name that really encompassed what we did, because it's a very new idea, this idea of taking inputs from customers and using those to actually create a formulation like that had never been done before. And function was something that we ended up just coming back to over and over again. Just, you know, a, a function is basically just an expression of multiple variables. And we wanted this idea of a function of beauty to be a function of you. And that's why, you know, in our bottles, we'll put function of, and then you get to choose what the, what the formula name is. But we basically wanted to create a company name that revolved around taking inputs for, from customers for the very first time. So customers telling us what they wanted 
and then creating a formulation that was just perfect for them. And so, uh, so yeah, that was the origin of the name. And, and part of the reason I think it hasn't been done before is because there are limitations on the manufacturing side of, you know, minimum order quantity on the, even, you know, on the private label, whether it's anything in the beauty industry, a lot of those manufacturers don't want to produce runs of less than call it 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. How do you, how do you manage that? How do you handle, first of all, how many different varieties of the, of hair care products do you have? Sure. Yeah. So now we're at 54 trillion different combinations. So far more than there are people on earth. So it's very overkill. Um, so it is a, a ton of different formulations. So in some ways, you know, we're the biggest beauty company in the world. We're bigger than everyone else combined. If you add up skew count there, um, even like if you include the knockoffs too. Uh, so, so anyways, we, um, yeah, we are capable of doing a lot now. Obviously it took us a lot to get there. And sadly, you know, there aren't too many MIT turned engineers uh, that go into beauty, but there were uh, there were two, one in me and one in my co-founder, Josh. Uh, and the two of us, along with a formulation chemist who actually knows what she's doing when it comes to creating hair care formulations. Uh, the three of us came together to come up with uh, with this idea of how do we create a one off formulation for every single customer? Um, that, that was the big that was the big question. And, and it was, if we could solve this, we could become the greatest beauty company there ever was. Uh, and, um, and I think we're doing a solid job so far. And so how many questions, so, so for those that don't know, a customer, you, as a customer, you go on to functionofbeauty.com you, sure. you, and you take a quiz. How many questions are on the quiz? Yes. So the quiz is separated into three parts. Uh, so the first part asks what a person's hair profile is. So whether they have straight hair, wavy hair, curly hair, coily hair, then how fine or thick or coarse that hair strand, their hair strands are, and then what their oil levels are. So that gives us an idea of the hair profile. So that in itself is something that's never asked uh, uh, when you're at a you know drugstore or salon when it comes to picking out a hair product. So that in itself is is an innovation in and of itself. But then we use that in addition to the second part of the quiz, which is asking what hair goals people have. So here's their hair profile. Now, what do they want their hair? What do they want for their hair? So it could be color protection, volume, it could be shine, it could be strengthened. So we have a collection of 18 different hair goals and we let customers pick up to five of those. And then the final part of the quiz is more the personalized part. So What's the name you want on the bottle? What color do you want? What fragrances do you want? What fragrance strength do you want to have? And, uh, and that basically completes the hair quiz. So in, in, in one way, it seems like a pretty complicated ask, which is what I was afraid of. And then the feedback we got was people are going through this hair quiz pretty quickly. Like in a couple of minutes, they're able to go through this hair quiz, which is much quicker than standing in front of an aisle or in front of a shelf trying to figure out what trade-offs is a customer willing to make? And at the end of this funnel, we're just giving you the one product you really need. It's not like we're giving you a huge selection of, okay, here are the trade-offs you can make. You can get this volumizing shampoo or you can get this color-protecting shampoo. We're able to come up with a, you know, all-in-one shampoo, conditioner, and now leave-in treatment that's perfect for you. And so what we realized is through this process, we were making it a ton more simple um, rather than making it more complex, which on the surface it, it can be confused for. 
but on the on the manufacturing side, how are you able to handle that level of granularity? So oh, yeah. the 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 Billy <laughs> yeah. shampoo and the Zaheer shampoo will be different. Are um, is correct? Do, are you finding that most uh, most customers end up on a bell curve of call it twelve to fifteen different uh, different makeups, or is it uh, stretched further than that, where you you're actually working directly with the manufacturer bottle to bottle? Yeah, I was really surprised to see the the sheer range of formulations. So hair profiles will always follow you, follow uh, uh, you know demographic curve, right? Various ethnicities will have different types of hair types generally, and so we can kind of estimate from hair types, you know, where people stand. But then with hair goals, like it gets crazy. There is not like the most popular hair goal is selected twenty five percent of the time. The least popular hair goal is selected 17% of the time, right? So it's it's not like there's one that's dominating and there's very little correlation between hair goals. And then obviously, once you get to colors and fragrances, it's anybody's game. So we can't really cheat the system. Like there really is a, a system in place for us to custom make every single formulation. And we do it in a highly customized but highly automatic way so that we're actually able to scale. And it's taken us, you know... Uh, uh, four years plus to get there. So it's not something that was easy. And we have a ton of MIT engineers behind it, a ton of other engineers as well um, that we had to recruit to, to do this. But it's it's crazy to see just how, I don't know, passionate people who generally would not be involved in this sector are uh, around it. And you'll have like, you know, it, just the conversations you hear when you're at a production facility is just so interesting and engaging. Uh, it's almost laughable. Uh, to see how you've gotten, you know, these really interesting uh, engineers and who are oftentimes, you know, your stereotype for what an engineer would be, but then talking about their hair and how much they, you know, care about this stuff. So, and uh, so, yeah, yeah, that is really funny. And how how have you funded the business so far? Well, through every way you could imagine. So, from you know, founder founder investments. So Josh and I put money together to. Seed investments from our families and friends who were super confused at why MIT engineers and this formulation chemists were doing this with their time and energy, but decided if this is the path we had chosen, that they might as well back it, knowing what our opportunity cost for doing it was. And then Y Combinator uh, was the accelerator we were involved in, and that got us introduced to a ton of angel investors. So we have a slew of angel investors. Then we got institutional funding from VCs. Uh, and then we have debt as well. So just across the, the gamut, um, you know, yeah. And and um, how how do you deal with the competition? So just obviously there's the, the old world uh, beauty brands and shampoo and hair care brands. But then there are also a handful of, uh, you know, direct to consumer, whether it's slightly customized or super customized uh, products. How do you think about competition? Yeah, to me, it's always eye on the prize, right? Like our goal is to make this the biggest and best hair care company in the world. Uh, so on the one hand, you have a ton of, you know, like you said, right, the old world beauty where you have these huge CPGs that have a bunch of brands underneath them. But at the end of the day, you know, the number of formulations that they're able to put out are don't even touch us, right? Like Procter & Gamble probably has... Or, or Unilever or L'Oreal probably has anywhere to a thousand different shampoo SKUs, right? All together, 
you know, we're probably in the thousands of SKUs, probably less than 10,000 shampoos in the world. And we're able to offer 54 trillion, right? It's just like such an order of magnitude greater. And, and our defense is we actually need this many formulations. It's not like, you know, they're, they're slightly different from each other. And so in, in that world, it's just so hard for a company any one of those old brands to really change the way they do things, uh, just the people you'd have to attract, the way you manufacture, the way you sell, the way you market. It's really hard to suddenly go from, you know, hey, this is the best shampoo for you with all these different hair models to back it up to, you know what, every single person needs their own product, needs their own formulation. We don't believe in models. We believe in you and you are the definition of beauty, not something we prescribe, right? It's just it would be a very inauthentic um, uh, stretch to go that way. And, and I think it'd be very difficult for them to do it as well. And so I think uh, I, I'm not so worried about them. And, and clearly just our growth and how quickly we're growing is a testament to, uh, you know, how, how I guess, uh, strong our value proposition is compared to them. And then obviously any great company is going to have a bunch of copycats and knockoffs that will come along the way. But I think, you know, you can either play to that level of competition and try to, you know, we, we have the best engineering talent. We have the fastest automation by far. I think we're the only automated one actually, but regardless, like we could focus on, you know, the new players that are coming to town who have a very small percentage of our market share, or we can focus on the big prize. And that's at the end of the day, that's what we're in it for, right? Like we want to transform this industry and you can't do it by, you know, we ourselves are not big enough to make uh, the impact we want yet. Um, so why focus on uh, on the smaller guys? And so that's that's the way we see it, is just what does it take to be our very best? And one of our five company values is to pursue perfection. Like good is just not enough for me. Like I want to be the very best and I wanna create the very perfect formulas for each and every single person. I think that's a pretty good policy. I think that's a good way to think about it. Just focus, especially if you were a first mover uh, in the customized space, in the direct-to-consumer custom uh, hair care space, you just, I think, to assume that the, the competitors on that side of the spectrum are always going to be a step behind. If they came after you, they're always looking at what you do. And if, you, if you feel like you have the best talent, if you feel like you have the best formulations, like that's going to be hard to replicate, especially once you start acquiring customers who stay loyal, who like the product, um, and keep that retention high. Who who are your who is your customer? Who, who does is the demographic? I imagine it skews mostly female. Is it like sixty forty or ninety oh, ten? No, it's like no, yeah, like ninety five five. I think, and okay. even for like the men that we do sell to, it's questionable whether they're being uh, falsely characterized or buying a gift or whatnot. But yeah, so we are. It, it's basically all women in uh i guess in the world now I and mean, we're quickly expanding geographically but yeah uh you know we we can make what i don't know how many people there are in the world like seven billion we can make you know uh whatever over a thousand times that many formulations right so we can make a formulation for every single person that exists and we can obviously make formulations for men as well i use our products and i have a a long I have a man bun now. I have very long hair. Um, <laughs> so I, I appreciate our products a lot. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, we can we can sell to everyone and we want to target every single person. Uh, do you see yourself getting into the men's hair care industry at any point? 
I don't know. Uh, you know, Luke, who's uh, who's our chief product and strategy officer, always like has this line where it's all about choices, right? And and we're constantly making choices. And every time we make a decision to do something, we're making a decision not to do something. And so we're always looking at what is truest to our vision and mission and what is truest to our customers. And so we'll always make sure that we give our customers what they want. And, you know, when everyone starts, all these women that we sell to start asking for products to make the, uh, you know, hair of men all around the world better, then, uh, then we'll probably start doing that too. Or if men start to really clamor and say that they want uh, great hair care that is branded in a very, I don't know, in a fashion that is catered more towards them, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll listen to them. So we're, uh, we're always able to do whatever, almost anything we want to do. It's just a matter of what we, what we choose to do. So, uh, so yeah. And where are you having success finding customers? Honestly, every, everywhere. Um, I think, I think that's what's so indicative about our value proposition is that we just have a very, a very easy way of attracting customers. I think at the core of it, though, is a great product, right? So if you were to ask me, you know, where our growth marketers or, you know, where our sales come from, they'll probably say, oh, online or press or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, it really is referrals and word of mouth. So unless you have that, you're just not going to be able to keep growing at a pace you uh, you need to grow at to make a a big bang in the industry. And so for us, it really does start with our customers and our customers are our biggest ambassadors and advocates. Uh, they, uh, it, no one talks about shampoo or hair care, at least on, on you know, they, they won't take pictures of their shampoo bottles and post it on Instagram. Like no one does that until Function of Beauty came around. And suddenly it was like, what a beautiful product that really fucking works. I don't know if you have to leave that out. Sorry. I think um, I but what a great product. <laughs> <laughs> what a great product that really works. Uh, I want to share this with with everyone. Um, and, and the second you get the second you get those impassioned people, then everything flows. Then suddenly, you know, Instagram becomes a huge source of your customers. Facebook becomes a huge source of your customers. You know, YouTube. You know, whatever it may be. And and you know, there's a ton of micro influencers who you know will will just post about us. Most of them actually pay for their products, and they just. Uh, they just post about us saying how much they love our brand just completely authentically and organically. And it's, uh, you know, my cousin actually just recently wanted, uh, you know, she's from Canada and, uh, and we recently expanded to Canada. So she wanted, uh, wanted a set. I was like, look, like I can get you this one, like 10%, whatever, uh, friends and family discount. And so she, uh, she used it, but it's so crazy. Like I started seeing how often she was posting on our social media we get thousands of comments for every post but you just start to see just how impassioned you can make someone when a product really really works and she was super critical on you know could this really be as good as we were uh saying it would be and it was it's awesome to see those converts so uh so yeah at the end of the day our customers are the best way to find more customers uh and then we try to leverage that in every way shape and form possible largely online where are you based that's a complicated question. So New York City is where like our, our headquarters is, but we have more employees that are in Pennsylvania at our production facility in, uh, in rural Pennsylvania, a place called Catawissa, Pennsylvania. And um, how do you like New York as a, as a startup city? I love it. I, uh, you know, coming out of Y Combinator, we were still in the black sheep of companies that decided to go to New York. But in my opinion, it has 
Well, it's the biggest city in the U.S. It has the most diversity in the U.S. Uh, and, and with that diversity comes an insane range of skills. So whether we need formulation chemists, whether we need, you know, full stack developers, whether we need performance marketers or growth hackers or brand people or product people, like you can find the very best people in the world all in New York City. So I think it's I think it's a no brainer. Um, if you're able to come up with a company that's great and cool enough, uh, then you're going to be able to attract the very best talent in any city that you're in. And then why not make it in New York where, you know, the most talent lives? Looking down the road, call it three or five years, what do you envision? You've mentioned you envision this to be the biggest hair care brand in the world. How, what is yep. what is your world at Function of Beauty look like in three to five years? Yeah, I mean, I think I think right now personalized hair care by some is captured or discussed as a as a niche, uh, which is true. In the grand scheme of things, we still occupy a small percentage of the the grand market share, right? And we are obviously by far the biggest personalized hair care or personalized beauty company. But even then, it's still very small compared to the big the big players. Now that being said, our growth rate is crazy and. I think the you know it's it's a uh, it's a super strong business model that has a great product and as long as we're able to continue scaling then there's no reason why we shouldn't become uh, the biggest at least hair care company in the world and then and then we can decide kind of what's next after that. Do you do you foresee yourself ever getting into into brick and mortar retail? I don't know. It's it's really tough, right? Like we have to really figure out. What's our value proposition? Uh, at the end of the day, we need to have a personalized formulation for every single person. And, and it's really, really hard to bring our tech into a smaller footprint. Like we have fun pop-ups where we'll use like some of our older production equipment to, to do fills and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's just not a scalable solution. And, and, and we really want to make sure that we're able to get our products in the hands of as many customers as possible. And so that's something that we're always weighing out. Like what's the, what's the best way to make a big impact. And what's something that's challenging you right now? What's something keeping you up at night? Mm, that's a big question. What keeps me up at something night? you're worried um, about with the business, something you're focused on right now, some, something you're looking for a solution for. Yeah, man, that's a good question. I think I think the only thing that keeps me up at night is is this idea of realizing I'm going to have to make choices, and I've I have made choices, and and with each of those choices is going to come a set of ramifications, either good or bad. Um, and and alongside it is opportunities that I'm going to have to let go or miss. And so I think you know I'm constantly viewing this as this very strategic board game where it's like you know, am I uh, am I making the very best decisions at every single point in in the game and so uh you know luck obviously plays a role but at some point it it starts turning into you know you you have you have the attention you have the channels the reach etc so now it's all on you and just make sure you're uh you know hiring the right people chasing down the right products you know marketing in the most optimal way and so i think that's what i'm always uh, thinking of right before I go to sleep, but it's also when I wake up, it's like, that's the stuff that gets you really excited is just the impact and the difference I can still make, uh, and that we can make as a company. And it's, uh, uh, 
it's really cool and really rare to have that ability. And I'm super thankful for the journey that's led me to, uh, to have that ability. But all in all, it feels like the wind is at your back, right? It feels like it's working. <laughs> ah, you never know, right? Like I'm always really cautious. They say, you know, startups and, and companies in general are just this roller coaster ride. And so I try not to let the good um, get me too happy or the bad get me too sad, right? Sure. Like I think at the end of the day, you have to look super long term. And, and so at the end of the day, everything like that would generally make me happy or sad in the past, like I just have to understand this is a blip and I need to really think big picture long term. And so that's, um, and that's where the focus is for me now. So I try not to let the day to day, the week to week, even the month to month affect my decision making, my emotions too much, just so I'm able to, to take that long term view and know like, here's, here's what I'm trying to achieve and making sure I'm always putting myself and the company in the very best position possible to achieve it. Okay, that's a great answer uh, to end on, although I have a few fun ones left. What, uh, sure. what is something on your bucket list? Uh, that is a great question. I would, uh, there's a couple actually. So I started this year wanting to do three things. So I wanted to become uh, a master scuba diver. So like the highest certification you can get for uh, scuba diving. Uh, and, and I'm on my way for that. So that one's good. The other two I've, uh, one is I want to become a, a private pilot. So get a private pilot license and, and I'm underway training for that. So that's awesome. Uh, although, you know, it's really hard to commit to all those lessons every weekend and there's a ton of test textbook work. So it's, it's a lot harder than I thought it would be. And the third one was to learn Spanish. I just, I don't know. I love, I love the language. I love the people, I love the music and I love traveling, uh, to that, to those parts of the world. Uh, and so that was the third go on. And I'm, I'm really behind on that one. Uh, I did add learning the harmonica to my list recently. And so I've uh, recently taken up that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not someone who likes to check off experiences. Like I think when we talk about bucket lists, like I want to become exceptional or, or I want to, uh, to really learn and, um, and engross myself in various things. And so, uh, so yeah, so my bucket list looks, uh, looks a little different and, and uh, than many people's, but, but yeah. You yeah, you still have most of the year left if you want, if you want to accomplish those things <laughs> yeah, this yeah. year. That's, that's actually really good. You should become a motivational speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, relax. Everyone, relax. You're going to be fine. Um, if, you, if you could choose anyone in the world to represent function of beauty, who would it be and why? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Anna Kendrick comes up to us uh, quite a bit. She, she does not approach us. But every time we, like, make something witty or something, like we, we, we just think we almost have her sense of humor at times, just someone who's really easygoing, really fun, willing to, you know, put herself on the line, but just, um, just, just a fun, goofy, cool person that everyone loves. Um, so that, that, that would, that would maybe be, be top of the list. That'd be a great one. If, uh, if you yeah, let her know if you know her. Yeah. I, yeah. If I ever come across her first thing, I'll yeah. let her know. If you, yeah, Anna, come on. You're, I know you're listening or one of your friends is listening. If obviously some, she's listening. odds are someone out there knows Anna Kendrick and I feel like this deal can get done somehow. Um, if you, if you, yeah, exactly. If you weren't running function of beauty, what would you be doing? 
I have no clue. That thought used to terrify me um, that if I didn't have function, what would I have? Um, and I and actually have our function logo tattooed to my forearm. So it's the only tattoo I have. Uh, and there's not too many founders or CEOs that probably tattoo their logo to their forearm. But I, I just realized <laughs> how, uh, how impactful uh, this company was and how much a part of my identity it is. And so I, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I have no clue what I would do after, after function or if I didn't have function in my life. And I decided, look, I, I'm just going to take it one day at a time. And, and I very much do have function in my life right now. And I'm going to ride it as long as I can. What, what part of the function cycle did you get the tattoo at? Was it like post, <laughs> was it post series A financing? That feels like either a move that you start when you're like, we're going to call it function. Let's get it tatted up. Or something when you're very sure that this is a stable thing that's going to be around for a long time. Actually, neither of those two. This is probably the most serious uh, or more most personal questions you can ask me um, without you really knowing it. Um, uh, it was actually right after I got divorced uh, last uh, last year, and um, and there was a lot of like coming to terms, and you know I won't go into all of that, but I. I took a step back and realized just how important and uh, pivotal function was in my in my life and how much of my identity it was and, and how many sacrifices I, I've made for it and how many sacrifices I'll continue to make it make for it. And, you know, whether I wanted it or not, it was just uh, it was a tattoo that just needed to needed to happen as a as a constant reminder of that. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And um, it's also a great word. It's like, you know, it, it applies to a number of different things. It's probably <laughs> it. You probably sometimes it gives you some comfort looking down at it and thinking like, OK, function. This is, you know, it, it, there are just so many different meanings to it, which is why what makes for a great brand also. Um, yeah, no, for me. And it's just a function app, actually. So it's just um, just the app. It really it really is just just the company and and the journey for me. So it's uh it very much is like, you know, it's not one of those like, you know, you get a rose because your girlfriend's name is Rose and then sure. you like spit it off as something else <laughs> down the line. Like, I think it very much will always um, have that significance for me. And, and I think it's, it's something I wanted to have for that, that reason. Lastly, I enormously appreciate you coming on. Do you have anything else to plug? Uh, it's functionofbeauty.com. Functionofbeauty.com, uh, Instagram handle. I don't even. I think it's at Function of Beauty. Uh, I, I, yeah. Um, no, I. Uh, I actually don't. I think um, I, the only thing I'd actually want to end with is just uh, the lesson that I that I like to impart to people. Uh, the first part is, you know, if you're going to go down the startup or even just building a brand, I think I think it always starts with making sure you're solving the biggest problem in an industry. I think way too many people focus on very small things that aren't really going to change change the world or change an industry or or do much so I, you know the the likelihood of success is so rare so you might as well just swing for the fences and that came from a combination of whether it's bill gates or a couple vc partners that i really admire uh so that, that's the first that's the first part and then the second part is just do it with the very best people in the world uh the world is really small and competition gets gets uh it's pretty intense. Just make sure you have the very best team in the world helping you achieve uh, achieve this vision. And I think if you have those two things, um, I think the rest really falls. And so that's just that's just some uh, I don't know whatever some wisdom if it is that uh, that I'll uh, impart. 
I appreciate it. You actually if answered a question I didn't ask, but I'm glad you did because I forgot. Normally, I ask uh, entrepreneurs, do you have a piece of advice for burgeoning entrepreneurs? And I'm glad we got that from you <laughs> without asking. Well, there you go. Um, thank, you thank you so much. I enormously appreciate this and uh, best of luck. Thanks so much, Billy. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you just can't get enough of the pod, please go to makingthebrand.co, sign up for our monthly newsletter. We will not spam your inbox. We will make sure that all of the newsletters are awesome. It only goes out once a month. Uh, consumer insights, exclusive content everything you want but don't get from the pod um i really appreciate it so if you're interested please makingthebrand.co add your email address uh it really means a lot to me so uh i appreciate it and as always i appreciate you listening love you all